You guys good this morning? I'm going to get into the word of God. But, you know, I want to, I was thinking about this. I want to loose, this morning, I'm going to loose a prophecy over you this morning. Prophecy for this ministry. Prophecy for your life, you know. So I'm, you're going gonna to get into agreement, you know, because this is going to be the greatest year that you've ever had. I believe that. I firmly, I firmly believe that. It's going to be the best year for this ministry. It's going to be the best year for your life. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to prophesy this over you this morning. And then I'm going to get right into the word of God. So this is for this ministry again and for, and for your personal life for 2020. You know, I prophesy over your life and over this ministry that no weapon, no witchcraft, no voodoo, no sorcery, no curse will be able to prosper against you or your family or this ministry. Me, myself, my wife, our spiritual children, in the mighty name of Jesus. We condemn it for this is our inheritance and being servants of the Lord and our righteousness is of you in Jesus' name. And any devil or person that tries to loose a curse on us, let them have dry breasts and a miscarrying womb in Jesus' name. And I decree and declare that we are blessed and that we can't be cursed in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, right now I prophesy that all of our leaders and members will be set on fire for God this year. That they will not fall and that they will not faint under the pressures of life, but they will stand strong under any wind that blows against them so that they can receive everything that God has for them in Jesus' name. And I prophesy that the people that should have never left this ministry will come home like the prodigal son and be restored, be replanted, and that they will never stray again in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm believing and prophesied that this ministry will begin to grow in numbers. I'm believing for explosive growth to hit this ministry. Let our ministry be flooded with new members. I'm believing for seasoned saints to come into our ministry. I'm believing for homeless Christians to come here. I believe I receive for strong men coming into this ministry. I'm believing for strong families, for professional people to come in. And I'm believing for young people to be drawn to this ministry. And I'm believing to reap the harvest of Stephen Crane that we've been sowing seeds in that fertile ground for the last six years in Jesus mighty name and I prophesy that LOJ will be a beacon of light to the unsaved and the backslider and that they will come into this ministry and they will get saved and that they will dedicate their lives back to God and be set on fire again in Jesus mighty name and I prophesy that all of our leaders and members will become tithers givers and worshipers of the living God as a result I'm believing for you to open up the windows of heaven for your people and that you'll pour them out blessings that they don't have room enough to receive in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I prophesy that all of our members that are sick, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, that they will be healed by the stripes of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I prophesy that the residents of Stephen Crane, especially those that attend this church, that they'll be kept safe. I pray that you'll keep them from murder, from theft, from drug and alcohol addiction, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And I prophesy that all of our kids will have God's divine hand of protection, blessing, and favor to rest upon them. And that they will raise up to be men and women of God that you're calling them to be. And that they will not stray from the faith in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And I prophesy that our leaders, that my wife and I will begin to flow in the gifts of the Spirit when we're in this ministry. So that when people come for prayer, they'll receive a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. That they'll receive the healing that they need in Jesus' mighty name. And I prophesy that God's hand of grace and favor will rest upon this ministry will rest upon your personal lives, and it will make your job easy, and it will help you get into the divine flow this year in the mighty name of Jesus. And finally, I prophesy that 2020 will be our most prosperous and favor-filled year ever in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, if you received that, I want you to say amen. amen. 
and I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. You know what? It's important that you begin to speak over your life. You can't just let things happen. You got to, you gotta, when, when, when uh, Ezekiel was in that valley of dry bones, God said, can these dry bones, can these bones live? And he said to God, he said, well, you know. And he said, well, prophesy to them. Begin to speak over them. Begin to prophesy. And as he began to prophesy over them dry bones, they started coming together. Bone to bone. And then flesh, sinew started coming on. And flesh started. And then, and then he prophesied to the wind and air came into them. And they stood up on their feet and they became a great army. See, if you have, if you have death in your life, you need to begin to prophesy over it. And God will begin to resurrect. If you have sickness in your body, you need to start prophesying over your body. If you're in poverty right now, struggling in your finances, you need to start prophesying over your finances. Speak over it. Speak the word of God over it and start watch it start coming back to life this year in 2020. See, the problem is, and see, you guys don't believe that. That's what the problem is. See, in order for you to be able to receive that, you got to believe it. See, I speak the word of God over my life on a regular basis. You know, people want, why do you got this, that, and the other thing? Because I, I speak the word of God over my life constantly. I don't, not every once in a while. Not when I feel like it. Not when everything looks good. I just keep speaking the word of God. Especially when things don't look like they're, they're, they're working out right. That's when I really start prophesying the word of God over it. All right, man. You, let, me, let me just get into the word because you guys are like. <laughs> but you ready to get into the word of God this morning? Man, I mean, I'm going to tell you something, man. God completely messed me up this morning. Changed my message completely. I was working on this message all week, and he said, don't preach that. <laughs> preach this, you know. And he showed me, you know, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to teach the people the things that you've learned that work for you. See, now I'm not here to preach no fancy message, you know. I'm not no professional preacher where, you know, I just kind of, you know, all right, let me find out what I can preach to these people, get them happy. Now forget that. I want to minister to something to you that you can take out of here and that you can begin to use in your daily life. So he said, I want you to teach the people the things that, that became your constitution over the years, things that you began to do that work in your life, things that you do that make you successful. When you do them, they work for you. That's what I want you to teach them today. So this is in no particular order. You know, I just, I just, as he told me that, I just began to, you know, think about things. And as I was thinking about them, I was like, oh, yeah, that works for me. Oh, yeah, that works. And I just put it down. This morning. This morning. So I, I know it's God. So turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read 35 through 39. Now. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Now I'm reading in the Amplified Version. You know, now God showed me this because um, someone asked me a great question this year. And he said to me, he said, uh, you know, what's one thing that you learned about God this year? And I said, you know what I learned about God? I said, you got to be in it for the long haul. I said, you can't, you can't be messing around. You can't be in and out. You got to be in it for the long haul. 
See, most people give up too fast, and that's why they don't receive nothing from God. They, they give up too quick. They don't, they, you know, if some, something start, stop, starts looking like it ain't working, they just give up. And they stop pursuing it. And God said, if you're ever going to lay hold of something, you got to be in it for the long haul. Now, in Hebrews 10, 35 through 39, it says, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence in God. Don't throw it away. Don't throw away your confidence in God because things ain't working the way you expected it to work when you expected it to work that way. Don't fling it away. He says, don't, don't throw it away. Don't fling away your confidence in God. For it has or it carries a glorious and great reward. Or a great reward is attached to your confidence in God. He says, for you have need of patience. You have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising. See, you have need of patience so that while you're going through whatever trial you're going through in an effort to get to where you want to get to, your, your patience will help you stand up underneath it. You have need of patience, he says, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. And I love this. It says, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. See, if you hold on, he that is coming will come. But you got to hold on. See, what happens is, you know, you start, you start off pretty good. I preach this word today. Some of you will say, yeah, pastor, I received that, you know. And then walk out of here and then something knocks, comes out of left field and just kind of messes them up. And they'll say, well, you know, must word must not have been for me. See, that's, that's flinging away your confidence. That's just throwing it away. So when you're going through something difficult, at, at that time, all the more, you need to allow patience to rise up so that you can bear up underneath that difficult time so that you can get past it and so that you can receive what God has for you. And it goes on to say, see, the just shall live by faith. See, that's why it says, you know, you know, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. See, because if you walk by, by sight, You'll never receive what God has for you because you'll be too focused on what the devil is doing and not focus. See, you have to receive what God is doing by faith because you can't see it. So you can see what the devil is doing. <laughs> he, see, he puts it all in your face. So he wants, to, he wants you to see what he's doing. And that's why he says, see, I, I don't want you to walk by sight. Stop looking at everything. Stop looking at the storm. Stop focusing on the storm. That's the lesson that we learned from Peter walking on the water. As long as he was, as long as he was focused on Jesus, he was, walk, he was walking on the supernatural. He was doing the impossible. As long as he was focused on Jesus, he was walking on that water. The moment he took his eyes off Jesus and he started looking at the storm, he began to sink. And that's what happened in you in your life. If you take your eyes off Jesus and you start watching what the devil's doing, well, you know, I'm believing for my finances, but then the devil tried to attack your finances. Stop focusing on what he's doing. Focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes on. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes focused on him, and he'll get you through. So he says, he says, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. See, God's greatest pleasure is to be believed. And his greatest 
hurt or pain is to be doubted. He says, if, if anyone draws back, any, if anyone turns back, my, my soul will have no pleasure in it. I'm not pleased. You know, as we say, it takes faith to please God. I'm not pleased when you don't believe me. So I learned that you got to be in this thing for the long haul. Walking with God is not a get rich, get rich quick scheme. It's not microwave gospel. If you're going to succeed in God, you have to be in it for the long haul. And I'm going to get to this later, but God never moves rapidly, but he does move suddenly. And if you can learn to be obedient to God by following his instructions, moving when he tells you to, and sowing the right seeds in faith, and then be patient with God as he works things out for your good, you will find yourself reaping a harvest in time. I'm here to tell you that the harvest does come. He said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap, if you faint not. See, that's the hook on that. You're going to reap if you faint not. Most people faint, and that's why they never reap. See, that's when you faint, you've, you've thrown away your confidence. You flung it away. You're saying, I don't believe that. I don't trust that. I told you I'm going to bless you. Yeah, I just don't really believe that. And most people would never say that out loud, but you do it by your actions. All right, let me get on with it. You know, I'm, 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 I'm teaching you what I've learned. I've learned if you, if, you, if you hold on, you will reap if you don't faint. That's number one. I'm going to keep on moving here. Number two. I've learned this. I've learned you must be persistent and persevering in prayer. In Isaiah 62, 6 through 7, it's in the Amplified Classic Version. I love this. He says, I've set a watchman on your walls, O Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night. You who are servants and by your prayers put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. I love that. Keep not silence and give him no rest. Do you understand that? Keep not silent and give God no rest until he establishes. Now, it says Jerusalem, but I like to say until he establishes Gavin Taylor and makes him a praise in this earth. Give God no rest. Don't give him no rest until you receive everything that Jesus promised you. He said, I set that watchman on the world. They will never hold their peace day or night. They'll never stop. They'll never give up. They'll never turn back. They'll keep on speaking it until they receive it. And now if you need to hear it from Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10, I, I love this scripture. Jesus gives, he always gives, you know, parables, a natural thing to describe something spiritual. So that you can understand, right? So he says, Jesus says to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and will say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine who is on a Jersey journey has just come and I have nothing to put before him. And he from within will answer, do not disturb me. 
The door is now closed and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and supply you with anything. And he says, I tell you, although he will not get up and supply him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Just to get rid of him. He'll give him whatever he's at. That guy just keep on knocking on the door. He said, leave me alone. I'm sleeping right now. I'm, I'm, I'm relaxing. And he just keeps on knocking on that door. He just keeps on banging on the door and, and saying, you know, I need this. He says, eventually, that guy, not because he's his friend, not because he loves him, <laughs> but because he won't stop knocking on that door. Let me just get up and just give him what he's asking for so he'll leave me alone. Now, this is what Jesus, Jesus is comparing this to you praying to God. Because then he says, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. And you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open unto you. For whoever, who everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and him who keeps on knocking, the door will be open. He compares this man bugging another man for bread to you asking God in prayer. He says, See, you need to keep on knocking. You ain't received it yet, you need to keep on knocking. You haven't received it yet, you need to keep on asking. You need to keep on seeking. You need to keep on knocking. Don't, don't give up because you ain't seen it. Now, this is what he, what he showed me. See, this is a major lesson that you learn about God. I learned that he doesn't mind you being persistent with your prayer request. I learned that. I learned that if you want something from God, you're going to have to stick to it until you see it. I learned that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> Jesus tells us that we have to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That means that you're going to have to be persistent in prayer if you want anything from God. See, I've heard people say, because of poor teaching, that you don't have to keep on asking God for the same thing. I've heard, you know, have you heard that? They say if you believe that he heard you, then you don't have to ask him again. Right? That's what I, you know, people say that, you know. They say that you're not showing faith if you keep on asking. But let me ask you, but let me let me say this to you. That's not what Jesus says. Thank God for someone so preacher. Thank thank God for that prophet, you know. Thank God for that pastor that, you know. But but I'm listening to Jesus. How about you? I want to know what Jesus says on the subject. And Jesus says to ask and keep on asking. He said to seek and keep on seeking. He said to knock and keep on knocking. He didn't say, just ask me once. I heard it already. I don't want to hear it again. He didn't say that. He said, I want you to be like that man that keeps on knocking on that door until finally that, other, that guy gets up and gives him what he asked for. That's what I want you to do. I want you to give me no, I want you to give me no rest. Put me in remembrance, he said of my word. Let us plead together. Remind God, this is what you said. And I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm talking about, you know, just putting God in remembrance. Keeping it in front of him. I got a prayer list that I, that I pray every day. I, I, I pray it every day. But until I see it happen, I keep on praying. It. I keep on asking. I keep on seeking. I keep on knocking. See, I'd rather listen to Jesus than anybody else. How about you?
You go on with your religious teaching if you want. You better look and see what Jesus said. Ask. Keep on asking. Don't do it once. Seek. Keep on seeking. Be persistent. The persistent, the persistent person receives from God. Learn the key of persistence. All right, let me just keep on moving, man. I, I just, I'm getting happy over here. You know, I don't know about you, man, but I'm just, see, I, I, you know, because this is what works for me. You know, it's, impo- it's important for you to have smooth stones. You know, when David was about to go out and fight the giant Goliath, King Saul tried to put his armor on him. He said, here, use my armor. And he put it on, and he said, I, 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 can't, I can't use this, man. He said, I haven't proved this. What he was saying was, I've never, see, I, I've never tried this out before. I don't know if this will work for me. It don't, I don't know if it works. So he, he, he took it off, and he went into a lake, and he grabbed five smooth stones, and he grabbed a slingshot. Because he says, you know what? I know this will work for me. I killed the, I killed the bear. <laughs> I killed the lion. So I know this works. I don't know about that sword and spear and shield stuff. I don't know about that helmet and that armor stuff. But I know a sling and some stones. And he got him five smooth stones. See, some of you need five smooth scriptures. <laughs> you know, they're smooth See, rocks are rough, but that water smooths them out. And when you begin to use the word of God and it begins to work for you, it begins to smooth out those stones because, yeah, they work. I I know this works. There's certain things that I know, I know work. I know that if I'm about to go meet somebody, and I'll get into this. If, I go, if I'm going to meet somebody and have a meeting or an interview or something like that, I know what works. I know what works for me. I say, God, I thank you. For you said in your word that the heart of kings is in your hand. Just like the rivers of water, you turn it whithersoever way you will. And I say, Lord, if a king's heart is in your hand, how much more this person I'm about to meet with? I know that God has the heart of people in his hands, and he can just turn them towards me, and he can just give me favor. I know that if I, if I don't find favor with somebody, it's somebody that God don't want me to be doing business with. That's what I understand. If, if, you know, if, if, if they're pliable to God and their heart turns towards me, and I know this is something I should be pursuing. See, I know that. I know that works. See, you got you to gotta use stuff that works in your life. You need to find scriptures that work for you and begin to use them. Whatever scripture you wield in faith, it'll work for you. So let me just keep on going. I, I got a lot to get out of here, but I, I got I to gotta let you guys go. I don't want to keep you here all day. So let me just get focused here. Now, I learned, you know what else I learned? I learned that your words have power. I learned that your words have power. In Proverbs 18, 20 through 21, now in the, you know, in the Good News Translation, I love this. It says, you will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. And the King James, it says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. You have the power of 
death and life in your mouth. You know, see, you thought the devil had that power. You thought, you thought, you know, you thought that he was the one that had the power of a death. And he don't have the power. The death, the power. And, and guess what? God didn't even say he does. He says death and life is in the power of your tongue. You're going to create the future by the words you speak. Your future will be dictated by the, your, your, your pen that's called your tongue. With your tongue, you're going to begin to write your future out. In Psalms 141.3, it says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips to keep me from speaking thoughtlessly. I love that. Help me, Lord. Help me stop. Help me stop speaking foolishly. Because those words will begin to create a future that I don't want to live in. Foolish words create futures that you don't want to live in. And I was put here, you know, this is such an excellent reminder for us, especially as we into 2020. See, again, you need to prophesy over your future. What type of, what type of 2020 you want? You want the same of what you've been having? Or you want God to do something miraculous for you this year? Well, it's going to begin with what you speak. It's not just going to happen just because we, we changed, the calendar changed. And not just because I'm saying it. It's going to happen when you start doing something about it. And it begins with your words. And I said, you know, we need to ask God to help us to avoid speaking foolishly. Foolish talks are seeds that produce unwanted harvests in our lives. And that's why we need to think before we speak. See, your thoughts are so vital because your thoughts are connected to your heart and your heart is connected to your mouth. The Bible says out of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, whatever's in your heart, if you think on, whatever you think on long enough, it'll begin to seep into your heart, which is the inimo, your innermost being. And then you'll begin to speak out of that. And then those words will begin to create futures and I put here the question that we should ask ourselves before we say something is is that what I really want do I really want that I can just never seem to get ahead is that what you want is that what you want I just can't never seem to make it is that, is that what you really want You know, every time I take two steps forward, I take four steps back. Is that what you really want? Is that what you want out of life? Before you start speaking crazy stuff, do I want that? Is that, is that the life I want to live? Do I want to walk that out? Because remember, you're going to have to live with the consequences of the things you say. Do I want to create that type of future for myself? Or do I want to speak blessings and favor over my life see I want to I want to I want to know what God says about me because then I can start saying what God says about me see people have been telling you you're stupid you know for so long and that you're ugly and that you're you know that you're never gonna make it and all that stuff they'll tell you all this stuff and then you start believing it and then start speaking it and that's how you start living it out that's why if you got kids, the best thing you can do is speak positive over their life. You can do anything. You can be anything you want to be. 
No, you're not a loser. You're a winner. You're a champion. You're going to be successful. Everything that you do is going to prosper and flourish and, and grow. Everything. You know, people say, you're just like your father. You're stupid, just like your father. You know, telling that crazy stuff. And then, you know, and then you think, and how they gonna, how they going to survive if that's what you speak over them? We become, we become the pr- first prophets over our children's lives. Before a teacher ever gets their hands on them, you speak it to them. And if you speak the right stuff into them, when somebody else says something crazy to them, they say, no, that's not true. Because <laughs> my mother told me I'm going to be successful. My dad told me I'm going to be a winner. He said, I can be anything. I don't care what you're talking about. He said, I can be anything. Whatever you put in them, that's what's going to come out. All right, let me just keep on moving here. Use words to edify and not destroy. See, words are the building blocks of your life. Words and names can build a person up or completely destroy their lives. Words are powerful. Words were so powerful that when, when, when God created this earth, he didn't think it into existence. He spoke it. And that's how he creates. See, we've been made in his image and his likeness. See, his image, that means I look like him. You know, That's why I'm so handsome. <laughs> I look like my father, you know. What can I say? <laughs> but we're made in his image and his likeness. Likeness means, see, I operate like him. See, I'm a... I'm a little him, like one of those little G.I. Joe figures. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little him. So when I, wanna, when I want something, that's like God said, let there be light. Then I see something I want, I say, I speak over it. I say, want my life to go in a particular way, I begin to speak life over it. <laughs> All right, let me just, let me move on. Let me get off of that. All right, next thing. I learned that you can't move forward if you're looking backward. 2020, you know, you want to make forward progress in life. But you're too focused on what happened to you back in 1980. (laughs) You can't move forward in 2020. Because you're still affected by what happened to you in 2001. You're, 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 looking, you're looking back. And if you look back and you try to move forward, you, you fall. Eventually, you're going to bump into something or you're going to trip up. And too many people are looking back. And Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, it says, Do not remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. See, God said, I'm about to, see, I want to do a new thing in your life. But you're too focused on what happened to you before. I want to do something new, but you're focusing on something old. Your mind is on old things, and I'm trying to do a new thing. 
I'm trying to bring you out. I'm trying to take you to another level. I'm trying to take you somewhere you've never been before, but all you're focusing on is what happened before. I can't do a new thing because you're too focused on old things. You're looking back, and I'm trying to get you to move forward. They say before God gets ready to do a new thing in your life, the first thing that he'll tell you to do is not to remember the former things. See, because God knows I can't do nothing new for you if you're focusing on old stuff. Stop thinking about that. Stop focusing on those things. Just focus on what I'm about to do. Stop focusing on what happened to you. God can't do a new thing in your life if you're still holding on to your past. The reason why he can is because your past experience will be more influential than the word of God in your life. Your past experiences will influence what God is trying to do in your life. Well, I don't want to do that. The last time I tried to do something like that, I didn't, I didn't succeed. I failed. God won't bless you with, a, with a, another relationship. Oh, last time I had a relationship, it was bad. They hurt me. So I can't, I can't try to, but God said, I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing. Stop focusing on that. I know what happened to you in your past. I want to do a new thing. I tried to start a business before, and it didn't succeed. Well, I'm trying to do a new thing. Stop looking at that. I'm trying to do a new thing. If all you have in life is failure and disappointment, it will be difficult for you to believe God. Because all, all you do is focus on your past failures and past disappointments. And that's why God wants you to forget the former things. Just wipe it out your memory. Don't even consider your past. Something new is about to happen in your life. See, I'm prophesying this for you in 2020. Something different than happened before. Something great. He's going to make rivers in the desert. I love that. He's going to make smooth pathways in your wilderness. It's about to happen, and I really believe that most of you can feel it. But the thing that's going to stop you remembering from, from receiving it is remembering and considering your past. It'll just hinder you. It'll put you in neutral. When you should be moving forward, it'll keep you in place. And see, that's the biggest attack of the devil. You know, you're trying to do something new, and the devil will tell you, well, see, you know, it didn't work before. Didn't happen before. Then you start hanging around goofy, your goofy friends. And, you know, they tell you, well, you know, how you going to do that? How you, how you going to do that? Stop listening to the devil and stop listening to your goofy friends. And if you got goofy friends, get rid of them. <laughs> I always say if you're the smartest person in your bunch, get a new bunch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you know, here, here you are, you're doing better than everybody else, and you start thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good then. <laughs> See, that's why I like to hang around people that's doing better than me. Because then I'd be like, man, I got to, I'm about to strive. I'm about to, because I can do more, man. They're they doing a lot of work here, man. I'm, I'm slacking. See, I don't want nobody to make me think I'm doing what I'm, I'm, I'm I got everything together. I want, I want to be around people that, that got me striving for better. Striving to be successful. 
The next thing is this that I learned, and this is so important. Most of your problems can be either traced back to one or two, two things. A lack of knowledge or a lack of wisdom. In Hosea 4, 6, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It didn't say my people are destroyed because the devil is so evil. He's so mean and nasty and ugly, you know. So, the, so my people are destroyed because the devil is so big and bad. He didn't say that. He said, the people, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. And he goes on to say, because you have rejected knowledge. See, I, you're, you're reje you become rejected because you reject knowledge. And I put here, you know, this scripture, it answers or should answer a great deal of the questions for us about our life. I'm talking about the life you're living right now. According to this scripture, destruction in your life can be traced back to a lack of knowledge. For example, if you're broke right now, you can trace it back to a lack of knowledge as it pertains to handling money. If you always find yourself in poor relationships, you have a lack of knowledge of either how to choose and or vet the proper mate, or you lack the knowledge to maintain good relationships. And some people, they pick the same person every time. They just got a different name and look different, but it's the same person. Every time. They get somebody, that person beats them. Gets another person, that person starts beating them. It's like they just pick the, they pick the same person every time. Every time. Pick the same type of friends every time. They're attracted to the wrong type of person. So they lack knowledge as it pertains to how to pick the right mate or friend. They're not taking time to vet people. They, they fall in love too quick. You know, never, that's why I never marry people, you know, real quick. If somebody say, I've been, oh, we've been dating for a month, I won't marry you. I won't marry you. I won't marry you. <laughs> yeah, I'll be together at least a year. At least at the very least a year because you need to you need to you need to meet the other person the evil twin because <laughs> guess what everybody got an evil twin <laughs> everybody because <laughs> everybody's putting their best foot forward when they first meet you they're not showing you any of their flaws they're trying their best to do everything that they open up doors, you know what I mean? <laughs> they cooking, they clean, they giving you flour. I mean, they're doing any, everything to get you. <laughs> they do, you know, so you got to give time. I always say, have you guys had a good argument yet? You need to have a good argument because you need to know that if he gets mad, will he would he put your head through a, through a, through a door? I want to see. I want to see how far. He goes if he gets mad. <laughs> you know, will you put your hands on me if you get upset? You know what I'm saying? We need to find that out. So everybody's, oh, we don't argue. I'll be like, oh, y'all, y'all, we, we need to wait until you do that. <laughs> reality, reality set in. Because the beginning of every relationship, see, relationships have stages. The first stage is euphoria. 
And when you're in the euphoric stage, nothing they do is wrong. I mean, your, your friends, your family could look at them and say, you know, something's wrong with that person. They'd be like, ain't nothing wrong. No, I love you, know. <laughs> they don't see, you don't see nothing wrong with that person. Everybody else see all the stuff. You're like, what are you talking about? I love them, you know. You need to get an opportunity to start seeing that stuff. And then you can make a wise decision. And you can say, do I want to put up with that? Because everybody got a bad side. Ain't nobody perfect but Jesus. You know, everybody got, a, got some ways about them. And we need to find out what are those ways and do I want to deal with that? Can I handle, if that person never changes, will I be all right with that? Can I get, can I, can I still, you know, say I can, because a lot of people, they say, well, you know, we'll get married and they'll change. Or, you know, we'll be, you know, they'll, 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 they'll change. They may never. They may never change. I used to watch, you know, Jerry Springer. Hey, watch Jerry Springer. I think every, all of us did. That's the one show that has transcended. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You watch Jerry Springer. <laughs> he used to bring these women on there. They had it skirt up to here, you know. And then, you know, they get together with the woman. And he'd be like, I want my woman to stop wearing a skirt up to here, you know. And they'd be on the show, you know. And I'd be like, you know, that's what, you, that's what attracted you to her. That's what, you, that's what you wanted until you got her. Now you want her to stop. That's her. That, that is her, and that's what you wanted. So now don't expect to change her now that you got her. So we, gotta, you know, we have to be very mindful of how we choose people that we have relationship with. So it's either a lack of knowledge, right? Lack of knowledge. And I put here, if there's destruction in any of your area of your life, a lack of knowledge is present. No question about it. Now, that may not sound like good news, but it actually is. It's good news because all you need to do to reverse the destruction is find the knowledge that you need to correct it. And now, bottom line is, now you can stop blaming the devil. You can stop blaming God for where you're at in life. Because it all ties back to a lack of knowledge. See, I want to blame the devil for everything that goes wrong in my life. You know, I want to say, oh, it's the devil. You know, he's so, you know, he's so mean. He always messing with me. See, I, you know, that's easy. That makes life easy because you don't have to take any responsibility. We can just say, oh, it's the devil's fault. Or God wanted me to be here. You know, God, God, this is God's hand. You know, if we do that, then we can say, you know, I'm all right. It's not my fault. But God gets involved in the areas of, see, God governs, you know, he governs the precepts of this world. So he puts things in motion. And then if we begin to line up with that, if we get into agreement with the way that he's set things in motion, then we begin to experience blessings. When we go against the current, <laughs> that's when we get in trouble. So it's either a lack of knowledge, number one, or a lack of wisdom. Now, wisdom is different than knowledge. Because knowledge is defined as having accurate information. Right? So if you read books, you can get knowledge. Right? You read the Bible, you can get knowledge. But you can get knowledge and not have wisdom. 
And the Bible says concerning wisdom in Proverbs 4, 5 through 9, it says, wisdom is the principal thing, which means that it's the first in rank, it's the first in order, it's one of the most important things that you need to have. See, it's so important that God didn't say that love is the principal thing. He didn't say that faith was the principal thing. He said wisdom is. See, and wisdom is applying the knowledge that you have accurately for results. So you can have knowledge. You can know to do something and not do it. And when you don't do what you know to do, you're lacking wisdom. Not knowledge. You're lacking wisdom. Because wisdom, wisdom is I know it and I do it. If I, if I told you, if I asked you every day, I said, how many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you guys know you need to pray every day? Everybody probably raised their hand. Yeah, I know I need to pray every day. But if I asked everybody, well, how many of you pray every day? <laughs> then probably another set of hands would go up. <laughs> if I raised my hand and said, well, how many, how many of you know you need to read the word of God every day? Most of your hands would go up. Right? I said, how many of you do it? So you can know to do something and not do it. Now I know praying every day would be right. I know I need to pray. I know I need to get in the presence of God. But, you know, I just don't feel like it. I'm just a little too tired to spend time with God. A little too tired to read the word of God. You know? now I'm not trying to say this to, you know, make you feel bad. <laughs> but I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to show you the difference between knowledge and wisdom. I know I need to do it, but if I'm not doing it, I'm not practicing or walking in the wisdom. Of, I'm not walking in wisdom. So you can have knowledge, you know, of the fact that, you know, hey, I don't need to blow all the money that I have. I need to save some of it. But if you don't do it, you're not practicing wisdom. You know it. So again, if you, if you look at a person's life, if they're, if they're jacked up in their life, it's either one or two things. They, they lack knowledge or they lack wisdom. And again, that's not necessarily bad news. It's good news because if you lack knowledge, you can get it. The word of God is available for you. If you don't have a, a Bible, I'll give you one today. <laughs> so you can get one. You know, there's so much stuff, you know, on the Internet, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's so much knowledge available for any topic you want that you need knowledge on. Now, you need to get it, but not only get it, I give you my, you know, I wrote a book, you know, on finance, on how to get your finances in order. And I could get, you know, I could give you the book and you can read it and say, now I know how to do it. But guess what? If you don't apply anything that's in that book, it ain't going to help you. I don't care how much you can memorize it. <laughs> I was saying the other night, I was, I was saying in our Bible study, I said, you know, I had this young man, you know, that I went to, I went to visit him in prison. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring him, you know. And, you know, he wanted to show off. You know, so he starts, you know, quoting the uh, Bible to me from front to end. He, he, he named every, every, every book of the Bible to me. Genesis, Exodus, I mean, all that, the whole thing, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. 
And I was like, I can't even do that. <laughs> and then, you know, he showed me, and God showed me, he said, he said, well, it don't seem to be helping them much, does it? It ain't helping them much. He's obviously not practicing what he read in that Bible. Because if he was, he wouldn't be in the situation that he's in right now. So I'm not impressed by how many scriptures you can quote. You know, my, one of my, my best friend, he says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Let, let me, don't, I want, don't want to hear, you know, don't quote it to me, live it. Let, let me see you live that thing. Then I know it's real. So practice it. All right, let me move on, man. I got to keep on moving here. It's 1223. Oh, my God. I got to get ready to close here, man. All right. I'll be seven minutes. I'll be done. All right. So to, so to take that a step further, again, see your, your current life situation is direct results of decisions that you've made throughout your life. Again, let's stop blaming the devil. Wherever you're at right now, a series of decisions have landed you there. And I don't say that to condemn anybody. You know, we all make choices. Whatever decisions that we make begin to produce harvest. Poor decisions are poor decision seeds. And they create poor decision harvests. In Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 19, Joshua tells the people of Israel, he says, see, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil, and that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God will bless you in the land where you go to possess it. He says, but if you t your heart turns away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whether the, you go to possess over the Jordan to possess it. And then he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your seed may live. See, he says, I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the cursing. And then it's a multiple choice question with an answer. He says, he don't make you think about it. Well, which one should I choose? Should I choose blessing or, you know, choose life? Choose life. See, you make the choice. He don't make it for you. I always say if God, if God was to interfere in anybody's decision, he would have interfered when Adam was about to take that fruit and bite it. He would have slapped it out of his mouth. God will not interfere in your decision. He will try to influence you to make the right decision, but he will never force you to do the right thing. He leaves it up to you. You have to make the choice. And then your choice will have consequences. See, I'll bust everybody's bubble today because everybody, you know, feels like, well, you know, it's the devil, you know. No, it's choices. 
My pastor, my pastor always says it's choice, not chance, that determines death, destiny. It's choice. It's choice. I got choices to make every day. And every choice I make will either benefit me or, or produce destruction in my life. Every decision. Even little ones. Here I am. I park my car. And I hear God say, don't park there. You know, I got that sign up there. Don't park there. Don't park there. I do it anyway. I come back with that guy taking on my car. Now I'm mad. Now, now, now I'm upset. Now, now I'm mad. Who am I supposed? Who am I mad at? <laughs> I'm mad at the cop because he gave me a ticket. You know, like, <laughs> ain't nobody fault but mine. Every decision, every decision is either blessing your life or cursing it. It's either creating life or creating death. You can choose, I'm, I'm going to come out of here at church today. I'm just going to, I'm just going to drink until <laughs> I can't no more, you know. Well, guess what? You're choosing death. Now, it don't happen right away, but progressively, it happens. You know, you can decide you're going to take drugs. You can decide, you know, I'm going to blow all my money on lottery tickets. You know, you got to make choices every day. All right, this is not popular. <laughs> Again, life would be very simple if, we could if I could just blame the devil for everything. Or if I can just say it was God. I mean, life would be very simple. If they were the sole reason for where I am in life, then I wouldn't have to take any responsibility for the decisions that I've made over the years. I can just simply say, well, I guess this is where God wants me to be. Or the devil is always messing with me. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can just, you know, distribute the blame. But see, that's not just that's not true. And again, this may come as a surprise to you, but we are we are where we are in life today because of the decisions that we made up until this point. Again, we can all take the easy way out and just simply say, God put me here or it's the devil's fault. But the truth of the matter is we are here because of choices. And if you like where you are, then that's great news. That's great news. However, if you're not happy with where you are, or, and even, you know, you can be unhappy about a, a particular thing in life. It don't have to be everything. You can be happy about a lot of things or most things, but this one area, I just don't like this. Guess what? You can change that. Today. You can begin to change it today. If you don't like the job you're in right now, you can change that job. You know, you can start looking for another one. Or you can prepare yourself for something that you really want to do. You know, you can make that choice. You make that choice. Nobody does that for you. That just doesn't, that don't happen just because, you know, you just, you know, want it to happen one day. You know, you have to start making moves. You have to start doing, you know, you have to start, you know, going after things. You know, you have to make that decision. You have to make that choice.
and then God will help you. He won't do it for you, but he'll help you. God will only do for you what you can't do. I'm going to end with this right here. I've learned that while the devil, while he does want to ruin my life, God really wants me to enjoy life. In John 10.10, the Bible says the thief. Who's the thief? The devil. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he says, I am come. Well, why'd you come, Jesus? I come that you may have life and that you might have it more abundantly. See, I've come so that you can enjoy life to the full. So that it overflows. That God kind of a, is the Greek word zoe, which means abundant life. Life until it overflows. He says, I want you to fully enjoy. See, the devil wants to destroy and wreck your life. That's what he wants to do. But he draw, with that statement, he drew, he drew a line in the sand. He said, if you see theft, murder, and destruction, that's not on my side. That's on the devil's side. Now, if you see abundant life, blessings, faith, he said, that's on my side. See, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And who there is no variableness and no shadow of turning. He said, he said every good and perfect gift comes from me. I don't, I don't give bad gifts to people. So I want you to know today that God, this year, he wants you to succeed. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to flourish. He wants this to be the best year that you've ever experienced. But we have to make a choice that that's what I want. Begin to speak it. Begin to walk it out. And then God will begin to work with you because we are co-laborers together with God. And he'll begin to help you as you make progress to share. So I'm going to close right here. But everybody just lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we just thank you. I thank you for everybody that came out today. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that this word, that it helped many people. I pray that your word felt like rain today and that it just didn't go in one ear and out of the other of people that are here today. But let us not just be hearers. Let us be doers of your word. Because when we are doers, we are walking in wisdom. We are operating in wisdom and wisdom, you said in your word, is the principal thing. It is the first in rank. It's the first in order. Grant us the grace to walk in wisdom this year because we know as we walk in wisdom that we'll begin to reap the harvest that you have prepared for us. And grant us the grace to be in it for the long haul this year. I prophesy over the people that are here today that they will not be in the same place by the end of the year that they are in right now because they're going to make some changes they're going to make some choices and some decisions that are going to cause blessing 
and life and not curses and death. And for it, Father, we bless you and we thank you and we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise for his word. Amen, 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 amen. Now, if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. Or if you're backslidden and you know you are and you just want to get it right with God again, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up on your feet. I'm going to pray, pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, stand up on your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. You're backslidden or you're never giving your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning. If that's you, just stand up on your feet. We'll do that. Okay. All right. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to pray with my brother, my son, this morning. I want everybody to pray. Everybody, I want everybody here to do it. And if you're on Facebook and you're watching on live or if you're listening on our podcast, I want to pray for you this morning. I want everybody to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give, give Jesus a praise. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, all right, let's get right down to business. I'm going to get into the word, and then um, I'll share something with you, and then uh, and we'll eat a little something. Amen? Turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. Now, I'm going to go over this in detail on Sunday, but I want to introduce this as a concept tonight because I want to kind of lead into something. But in John 11, I'm reading verses uh, 38 through 44. John 11, 38 through 44. So I'm reading the Amplified Version. And it says there, so Jesus, again, deeply moved within to the point of anger. Now, let me just kind of set the picture for you. Now, Lazarus, his uh, friend Lazarus, has, has died, you know. And it came to him before he was dying, saying he was sick, you know. And then they came back and said, well, he's dead, you know. So uh, bottom line is Jesus wastes four days. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, don't, he ain't moved by the fact that, you know, this, this guy dies, man. He just kind of keeps on moving. And four days later, he says, you know, let's go, let's go visit Lazarus, you know. <laughs> so they go there, you know, and then um, there's his two sisters, you know, Martha and Mary. Well, Martha first confronts him when he's outside the city about to enter in. And she says, you know, if you had been here, you know, he wouldn't have died. You know, but the bottom line is, you know, Jesus is the resurrection and he's the life, you know. So he lets her know that. Then Mary come and pretty much says a, a similar thing, you know. So bottom line is he gets to where he's at. And this is where we enter in. So Jesus, again, deeply moved within to the point of anger, approached the tomb. And it says there it was a cave and a boulder was lying against it to cover the entrance. Now, Jesus says to them, the Bible says, take away the stone. 
Now, um, I'm going to break down a few things to you as I'm reading through this because I want you to I want you to kind of get something out of this. But Jesus tells them, take away the stone. What's important for you to realize about God is this. And I always mention this. God will never do something for you that you can do. So he tells them, take away the stone. He wasn't going to do it. <laughs> he tells them, move, remove the stone. Roll it away. Now, of course, it took two things for them to remove this stone. Number one, it took physical effort. This wasn't no little rock. This was a, a big stone that was covering the entrance of a cave. <laughs> so it took physical strength to move this thing out of the way. So number one, it took physical strength. Number two, it took faith. Because this man is dead now, <laughs> you know, and, and he's thinking, you know, <laughs> and they're talking about, you know, now Jesus is talking about move the stone away, you know. I'm about to do a miracle, move the stone. So if God's ever going to do something for you, he'll always give you a command first. Because the bottom line is you'll always have to do your part first. So he says, you remove the stone. Now, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an offensive odor. And the King James, it says, he stinketh. <laughs> See, I like the way the King James says it. He stinketh. <laughs> the Amplified, it's an offensive odor. <laughs> but she said, he's stinking by now. For he has been dead for four days. And in the Amplified, it says, it is hopeless. <laughs> and Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God and the expression of his excellence. See, again, it took faith to remove this stone. After he says this to them, the Bible says, so they took away the stone. They did their part. They removed it. They removed the hindrance out of the way. Now, there's going to be some things that you're going to have, you're going to be commanded to do. Now, I'm talking to you about getting prepared for this year. We're not going to be sitting around waiting for God to do stuff. You're going to be sitting around waiting for God's direction. And then you're going to do something. Because <laughs> he's going to always require you to take a step of faith before he'll get involved. He'll always speak to you about what you can do before he'll do anything. And if you, you know, if he speaks to you and then you don't move, don't expect to see a miracle afterwards. So he says, take away the stone, remove it. And so they removed the stone. And it says there, and Jesus raised his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you, you heard me. <laughs> and he says, I knew that you always hear me and listen to me. But I've said this because of the people standing around so that they may believe that you have sent me and that you have made me your representative. When he said this, he shouted with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. And out came the man who had been dead, his hands and his feet tightly wrapped in burial clothes. So now after they do what they can do, now Jesus performs only what he can do. Then he raises the man from the dead. See, again, before, if you don't do your part, God can't do his. Because he will never do for you what you can do. He's not going to roll away the stone. Because you can do that. Now, you can't raise nobody from the dead. <laughs> Only Jesus can do that. Only God can do that. He's not going to expect you to do his part. But he's going to expe fully expect you to do yours. 
Now, again, it may take a little physical strength. It may take some effort. It may take some hard work, some labor. It may, and it's going to take a whole lot of faith oftentimes because sometimes you'll be stepping out and doing some things that, you know, you're like, <laughs> now, <laughs> how am I going to do? But if he asks you, if he tells you to do it, you're capable of it. And then once you do your part, then he'll do his. So now he raises this man from the dead. See, I love that. I love the fact, you know, that he sees very specific. Because he ain't just say, come out. Because if he said, come out, every dead person in them graves would have got up. <laughs> so he was very specific. Lazarus, <laughs> come, come forth. <laughs> I want one person to come out of that grave. <laughs> so out came the man, the Bible says, who had been dead. His hands and his feet tightly wrapped in burial clothes and with a burial cloth wrapped around his face. Then Jesus said to them, unwrap him and release him. Or in the King James, it says, loose him and let him go. See, now again, now I've done my part. Now you do your part. You, you loose him and let him go free. Now I'm, I'm, I'm just going to break this down real quick because there's a lot of amazing truth that's found in here. But today I just want to pull out just a couple of things. Now, again, that's the fact that God will never do for you what you're capable of doing yourself. Again, in this scripture, there are two things that Jesus required the people to do. The first thing he asked them to do was take away the stone. Although the stone was heavy and difficult to move, the people standing around were perfectly capable of removing the physical hindrance of the stone. Now, it took obedience and physical strength to do it, but they were capable of completing the task. Therefore, Jesus wasn't going to do it for them. To do it required faith, obedience to his word, and elbow grease. And they were able to provide all three things. See, when God asks you to do something, it's going to take some physical strength. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take some elbow grease. <laughs> You're going to have to get out there and physically do something, mentally do something. You're going to have to do your part before God's going to step into this thing. Now, again, once you've done everything you can do, then he'll get involved and he'll do only what he can do. He's not, you know, we, we, we want, see, I say all of this to say this, you know, and Christianity, I don't know how it happens, but for some reason we just kind of get uh, caught up into this thing where God's just going to do everything for us. He's, you know, he's going to do it. What's going to He's going to do it. You know, and we just are waiting for years and years and years for him to just do everything for us. And it never happens because he won't do everything for you. <laughs> He'll only do what you can't. Everything else will require you to get involved. The Bible says we are laborers together with God. We work with him. So we 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 get instructions. He tells us do this and then we have to act. And then once we get to the point where we can't do anymore, then he'll do his part. He'll never, he'll never, you know, uh, I'm using a double negative, but he'll never not do his part. <laughs> he'll always do his part. But he always requires you to take the first step. It's the law of sequence. You know, whatever you do first will determine what God will do next. And see, what we want to do is we want God to take all the steps. We want him to do everything. And we just want to sit back with our feet up and wait for him to get finished. <laughs> it don't work like that. You're not going to one day wave a magic wand and then everything's going to be perfect with your life. 
He's going he's gonna to say, if you want your life to change, this is what you need to do. You need to start here. You need to do this. You need to do this. Okay, once you do that, then I'll get involved. Hate to spoil everybody's night, but that's the way it works. <laughs> With that being said, as long as you're spiritually and physically capable of doing something, again, God won't. The second thing is this. He asked him to do, he, uh, once he raised him from the dead, he said, unwrap him and release him. Now, Jesus alone had the power to raise him from the dead. No one else that was present had the power of God flowing through them in that way. That was Jesus' responsibility. But the people could remove the stone, and they could release him from the bondage of his burial clothes. Now, I'll say this. After God does a miracle for you, he'll always require you to maintain it. You have to then maintain what he's given you. So you say, God, I want you to bless me with a great job. Right? So what God will do, he'll, 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 you have to do your part. Right? You're going to have to apply for jobs. You know, you're going to have to get yourself together. You're going to have to do your research on the company. You're going to have to go to the interview. And then God will do his part. You'll prepare yourself, and then God will begin to flow through you. Right? He'll begin to give you favor with people that you... <laughs> may not have favor with otherwise, right? That's his part. I can't, I can't make somebody like me. <laughs> but, God, but the Bible says that the heart of kings is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whithersoever way he will. So God can turn their heart towards me with favor. So he can begin to turn their hearts towards me. And then they're like, oh, I just like you. I don't know what it is, you know. And then, and then they give me the job. Well, guess what? After that, God's not going to work the job for me. <laughs> He's not going to work it. I got to work it. In other words, I have to maintain what he's given me. Now, if I go there and I don't do my job, I put my feet up, you know, like, all right, God bless me. I'm good, you know, and, and I don't work. <laughs> I don't care whether God bless me with it or not. I'll lose it. So God said, roll away the stone. They rolled away the stone. Then Jesus performed the miracle. Then he said, loose him and let him go free. You know. I, you do your part, I do mine. You do your part. You know. Now, while you're on that job and you're working it and you're doing your best, then God can start turning people's heart towards you to promote you. But you, i never forget, man. I was on this job. Now, nah, I got to move, you know. But I was on this job, you know. It was before me and Rev got married. Now, you know, we married 17 years this year. Isn't that crazy? That awesome or what? 17 years. So, you know... Um, Right before we got married, you know, I was working at this job, you know, and I'm a, you know, I'm a black, I'm a bachelor, so you know, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, they fire me, so what, you know, what I mean, that's that's my mindset, you know, I'm like, I'm doing my thing, you know, and 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 the, what makes it so bad was I'm saved, you know, but I'm, and I think I'm being spiritual, you know, because I'm like, you know, I, I'm praying for people, you know, I'm like, I'm supposed to be working, you know, I never forget it, man. I'm on the phone with somebody. And it was going through a rough time. Now I'm supposed to be on the, I'm supposed to be working, you know. And I'm 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 working on the customer service line. Picking, now I'm on their line, <laughs> not not allowing calls to come through so I can pick it up. And I start praying for this person, you know. And I got my eyes closed, you know. <laughs> I'm like I'm praying real. And I'm like in the name of Jesus, you know. Like, man, my boss came. I mean, she. I mean, I opened my eyes and she was looking at me. 
She was like, you're going too far. <laughs> I never forget it. Here I am, you know, the man of God doing this stuff, you know, and thinking I'm spiritual. I'm walking around, you know, I'm praying for people in conference rooms and stuff like that. I mean, I'm like doing my thing on this place, you know. And then, you know, the review time came up. <laughs> and, you know, people getting promotions and stuff like that. I never forget it, man. You could get, it was between one and five, you know. So nobody really gets a one. They fire you, get a one, you know. And then barely, very few people get fives, you know. Like that means you're just outstanding, you know. I got a two. <laughs> I never forget it, man. I, I was so mad, you know. I'm looking at that thing. I'm like, I can't believe they gave me a two, you know. And then, you know, and God spoke to me. And he said, did you deserve that too? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I'm thinking that because, you know, I love Jesus, you know, and I'm serving him, you know, that, you know, he's going to just kind of overlook the fact that I ain't doing what I'm supposed to do. Here I am, a poor representative. <laughs> I'm supposed to be representing him. I'm a poor representative of God, you know. And, you know, then, then I, had a, you know, I had a life event. I get married. And I start thinking in my mind, I said, man, you know, I can't lose my job, you know. They're going to fire me. I keep acting like I, I got somebody I got to be responsible for now. I got to work, you know. So, I, I, you know, i never forget it. I wrote this letter to my boss and her boss. And I said, you know, I really apologize for, you know, how I've been, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to turn it around, you know, all this stuff, you know. <laughs> but I turned it around. I mean, I turned it around. The most amazing thing is when I turned it around, I started doing what I was supposed to do. Not a year went by, and God already started opening up the door for favor and promotion for me. Just like that. They sent me to, um, now this ain't my message. I don't know why I'm on to all this. But the bottom line is they send me to Pennsylvania to train this team. We, we got the biggest account. It was Walmart, a million lives, because I was in life and disability. They sent me all the way to Pennsylvania to help train this team on how to answer the phones and stuff like that. I met a guy there who, had, who, who I got tremendous favor with. When I came back, he put me on this project, and me and him worked it together. After that, the sky was the limit for me. I, I got promoted, you know, two levels higher, above everybody that was promoted before me. And then I, two years later, I got another promotion, two levels higher. And I was supervising people. When I made the decision to do what I was to do my part, God started shooting me up. But you sit around and you act like, you know, well, you know, I love Jesus. And that's all you need. And that's all you think. That's all it is to it. It takes more than loving Jesus. And more than the fact that he loves you. Because <laughs> he loves you. But he ain't going to promote no mess. Because when you get up, because if he promotes you, you'll embarrass him. You'll be a bad representative. He couldn't promote me. <laughs> I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do on my current job. How are you going to promote me? <laughs> so with that being said, God will only do what he's, what he's, you know, he won't do for you what, what, what you can do. He'll do what you can't do. But he'll fully expect you to do what you can. Now, I want to get to this, and then I'm going to close. I only, I only got a little bit. Man, I can't, I can't even imagine that I'm. I'm all messed up right now. I got to close in a little while. <laughs> but this is what God showed me. Yeah, I, I believe so. 
this is what God showed me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here. And um, I'm going to really preach this on Sunday. Because, I, I, you know, this is, I think, very important. But I, I want to show you this really quick. Now, I'm looking for it. Here it is. Exodus chapter 5. And um, I can't get through all this because it's going to mess me up. But I'll finish it on Sunday, I promise you. Exodus chapter 5. Now, with that being said, once you start moving out on what you're supposed to do, don't think that the devil is going to just kind of just stand by and just watch you and, you know, and just be clap and applaud for you as you start try to come out. Whenever you try to get free and you start working towards getting free, he'll always try to throw, throw a curveball at you. He'll always try to sucker punch you. And I just wanted to show you this real quick. Now, I'm in Exodus chapter 5, verse, verse 1. Now, at this point, God has spoke to Moses. He told, you, told him, I want you to go to Egypt, tell, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. <laughs> you know? So now, here he is. He's going to go talk to Pharaoh. And... Um, it says there in verse 1, afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go so that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord <laughs> that I should obey his voice and to let Israel go? <laughs> who is this? Who is the Lord? And he says, I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. <laughs> then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three day journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God so that he does not discipline us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. <laughs> and Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many, and you, have, and you would have them to stop their work. And it says there, now I want you to get this. The very same day, Pharaoh gave orders to the Egyptian taskmasters in charge of the people and their Hebrew foreman saying, you will no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks what they, what they were making before, you shall still require of them. You are not to reduce it in the least, for they are idle and lazy. That's why they cry, let us go sacrifice to our God. And it says, let labor be heavier on the men, and let them work hard as it's... Maybe this guy something else. At, let them work hard at it so that they will pay no attention to their God's lying words. I want you to understand this. See, I want you to understand this. See, whenever, whenever you start making effort to try to get out, the devil will always try to make it harder for you. The reason why is because he's trying to get you to stop paying attention to what God is saying to you. Because he's saying to you, your God's lying to you. And now I'm going to make it hard on you. He goes on to say, then the Egyptian taskmasters in charge of the people and their foreman went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you any straw. Go get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. 
and a taskmaster pressured them, saying, finish your work. Fulfill your daily quotas just as when there was straw given to you. And the Hebrew foremen who the Pharaoh's taskmasters had sent over them were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your required quota of the bricks yesterday and today as before? Then the Hebrew foreman came to Pharaoh and cried, why do you deal like this with your servants? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say make bricks. And look, your servants are being beaten, but it's the fault of your own people. And Pharaoh said, you are lazy, very lazy and idle. That is why you say, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Get out now and get to work, for no straw will be given to you. Yet you will deliver the same quota of bricks. And it says the Hebrew foreman saw that they were in a bad situation because they were told you must not reduce in the least your daily quota of bricks. I'm going to finish here. When they left Pharaoh's presence, the foreman met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them. And the foreman said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you because you have made us odious in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And you have put a sword in his hand to kill us. <laughs> then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you brought harm and oppression to this people? Why did you ever send me? I can't understand your purpose. Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has harmed and oppressed his people. And you have done nothing at all to rescue your people. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready to close with this. Whenever you're trying to get free, whenever you're trying to get loose, the devil is always going to try to make it hard on you. Because he don't want you to be free. He'll work you hard. You'll leave out of this place today charged up and say, I'm going I'm to do exactly what pastor said. I'm going to start work." And if you start working towards something, the devil will try to attack that. And he'll try to pressure you to stop doing it. But I want to say this to you today. If you keep pressing through it, you will, you will get free. But the bottom line is he don't want you free. So he wants to discourage you and stop you from trying to get free. He don't tell you, see, that preacher was lying to you. That's what they, that's what they said to Moses, you know. You lied to us. <laughs> you, you lied to us. You know, they're just making it harder on us now. And that's what the devil will try to do to you. He'll make it harder on you so that he can discourage you from trying to get to where you need to get to. He'll always attack it. He'll always attack. But if you press through it, if you keep pressing through it, you're going to get free. And I believe that this is your year to get free. Don't be distracted by what the devil is doing. The reason why he begins to attack you the way he tries to attack you is because he knows that you're getting free. His attacks are a sure sign that what you're doing is working. Because if, 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 if it wasn't working, he wouldn't pay no attention to you. He would pay no attention to you if it wasn't working. That is your proof positive that what I'm doing is working. And that's why he has shifted his focus and is now paying attention to me. He don't like nobody trying to get free. As long as you belong to him, he don't have no problems. Just go ahead and do what you're doing. But as soon as you start working towards doing something great, he's going to try to stop it. But he can't stop it if you don't let him. He can't stop you if you don't let him.
I know you're going to have to give me like five more minutes. But I'm going to say this really quick. You know, I'll give you an example. You got to press through. You got to press through. And that's why prayer is so important. That's why I always talk about there's two things that you'll always hear me say. If you're going to be walking with God, you need to either you need to be a man or a woman of the word. And you need to be a man or a woman of prayer. You ain't going to make it if you ain't. Because the devil will take you out. If you don't, if you're not strong in the word and you're not strong in prayer, the devil's going to take you out. He's going to stop you before you get to where you're trying to get to. Now, I'm going to end this right here with this little testimony. You know, when we got, <laughs> when, we, when we went to get this place, this place here. Now, we have been, we have been looking for a place since January of last year. It took us nine months to locate this place. I mean, we're looking everywhere. I mean, we went through about three or four places before we finally found this place. So what happened was the, uh, you know, the owner of this place said, you know what, um, you're going to have to go get a certificate of occupancy. Now, normally the owner does that, but he sent us to do it. So I said, okay, you know, I'll go do it. I went downtown. Now, this, I mean, you're talking about a process? I went downtown, and they said, okay, you got to fill out this paperwork. You know? So I filled out this paperwork, and they tell me, it's going to take you, uh, you'll have it in about 10 business days, two weeks. Right? This is mid-September. I get this paperwork in my hands. I fill the paperwork out, and they tell me, two weeks. So now we're supposed to be getting this place in October. I, 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 I planned it out. I said, okay, because we were in another place. And I had to let the other place know that we were leaving because I had to give them three months' notice before we left. So we had to let them know October 1st we're leaving so that we can be out by January. Meanwhile, I had to sign a lease for this place and give them a down payment and everything. Now, I'm filling out the paperwork. I said, by the time I, I sign the lease, the paper, I, the, you know, I'll already I'll have the CEO. I'll be good to go. Two weeks, two weeks go by. Nothing. I call him. Oh, well, you know, um, you, uh, oh, it's going to take more one more week. That's what they tell me. I call him the next Friday. Oh, it should be done by the end of the week. <laughs> right. Finally, now I done signed the lease. I'm on faith. I'm just believing God that this is the place. I signed the lease on faith, you know. And now I gave them notice. We're out of here. You know, the other place we were in. So we got to move out January regardless and into this place with or without what we need. So then we're, you know, I call them again. Then they tell me now October here is here. You know, they keep, they keep giving me the runaround. I go down there. I'm calling them. You know, they're giving me the runaround. You know, oh, it should only take a little bit, little bit longer, you know. Finally, we're in this place. We got to get out of We're about to get ready to get out of this other place. And they tell me, <laughs> they tell me that you're going to have to uh, go before the zoning board. <laughs> now, this was already an approved. They already told me this was an approved use for this place. But they said I have to go through the zoning board. Now, if you don't know what it's like to go through the zoning board, I'll give you just an idea. 
Now, because I went through this when I was at, you know, our other church. And they, they had to go before the zoning board to get this other place. First of all, you got to hire a lawyer. Right? Lawyer costs you between $5,000 for the lawyer. Then you got to get an architect to draw plans. That costs about $2,000 for plans. Then you got to hire somebody like a traffic expert, you know, to look at the traffic flow and all of this stuff, you know. <laughs> that costs you another $1,000, you know. By the time you're finished with this thing, you're like, you paid about $15,000 by, by the time you're finished. And they're on the phone with me telling me, you're going to have to do this, you know. You're going to have to, uh, you know, pay this money. You're going to have to do this in order for you to get this place. I'm like, man, I ain't got no $15,000, man. I can't do that, <laughs> you know. So I'm now, I, I mean, we're, we're in the process, right? We're moving over here. On Thursday nights, we're moving our stuff from there to here. So this was a, a, a Wednesday I found this out. Thursday comes. We sp I'm supposed to be going down to the church to move this stuff over here. And I tell, um, I tell my wife, I can't go down there. <laughs> I, can't cause I, I can't start moving stuff over there. I don't, I don't even know what's going on. So I called them. I canceled. I said, you know, we're not going to go down there tonight. <laughs> you know? And now, I'm, now I'm, telling, I'm, starting to, I'm telling you about prayer. I'm praying. I'm asking God. I don't understand, you know. I, I really believe that this is the place. You know, what's, what's the deal here? You know, I need wisdom. I need you to show me what to do. Now, a month, like two months earlier, the guy that owned this place said, you need to go to see Councilman Ramos. This is two months earlier before this happens. You need to see Councilman Ramos to see if he'll to see if he will um, endorse you doing what you want to do there. So I said, okay, you know. So I called down there to Councilman Ramos' office. Now, the lady picks up the phone, and I get on the phone with the lady, and she says to me, uh, "I say, yeah, you know, this is Pastor Gavin Taylor. You know, I have uh, I have a food pantry in Stephen Crane. You know." So she says, you can't do no food pantry in Stephen Crane. I was like, whoa. She's like, yeah, you can't do no food pantry down there. Somebody's already doing it. I said, no, 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 no. I'm the one that's doing the food pantry in Stephen Crane. She said, oh, pastor, how are you? Oh, you probably don't remember me. I see, he said, if you saw me, you would know who I am. But you probably don't remember me. I re oh, how are you? What's going on, you know? So I tell her what we want to do here, you know? So she says, I'm going to get you a meeting with Councilman Ramos. So she gets me this meeting. I go down there, and I'm talking about she walks me into this office, and she starts telling him all of this stuff that we've been doing. She said, oh, yeah, they started off in Branchbrook parking lot with, uh, with, a, with you know, giving out food out of a U-Haul truck. I mean, she's telling Councilman Ramos all that. I'm not saying nothing. She's like, yeah, he, he feeds all of these people, and I've been there, and it's awesome, you know. I mean, all of this stuff. I'm sitting there like, my God, I'm not even saying a word, you know. So finally, he says, well, what do you want to do over there? So I tell him what we want to do. He's like, oh, yeah, I can get behind that. Of course, that's awesome, you know. So we get out of there. Now, I tell you this to say this. I'm praying because they just told me you're going to have to go before the board. I said, man, you know, and I heard God say, call this woman. I gave her a call, get on the phone with her. And I said, you know, I don't know what's going on. I called down to City Hall, and they're telling me I got to go before this board and stuff like that. You know, I, they, they told me that it was an approved use. I don't understand what's happening. She says, Councilman Ramos is in Atlantic City right now, but he'll be back tomorrow night. I'm going to text him right now. So she sent him a text message. She calls me the next day. It's Friday. She calls me back, and she tells me, you know, Monday, 
his chief of staff's going to go down there and talk to the guy. I said, okay. So Monday comes by. I don't hear nothing. Tuesday comes. I call her. She said, so sorry, Monday. You know, it didn't go down because it was a holiday or something like that. But he's taking care of it. I get a call from City Hall the next day. They said, we've signed off on your paperwork. Just that one call saved us $15,000. Easy. Easy. So I'm talking about God move, God doing his part. See, now I had to do my part. I had to go down there. I had to make all these phone calls, running back and forth down there, dealing, filing out paperwork, and all this stuff. That's my part. He's not going to do that for me. <laughs> but only he can give me favor. Only he can give me, turn people's hearts towards me with favor and with love. Only he can do that. I can't do that. But you think they will be over after that. It ain't over. Now we're in, not right now, we're in, we're pretty much in like December at this point. <laughs> and I'm like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do this Christmas event. We gotta do, we gotta do New Year. And I'm in faith doing this stuff, man. I'm just like doing it, just like, we're gonna do it, man. We're gonna do what we gotta do. So we just did it, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, God, give us favor, you know, <laughs> like help us, you know. We just do it, did our thing, you know. So bottom line is, I go down there again, and they say, oh, well, you know, you're in the, we, we thought you were in a standalone building. We didn't know you were in a building with all of these different businesses and stuff like that, you know. You're going to have to fill out another piece of paperwork. So I had to go down there again, fill out all this other paperwork. Yeah. Then it goes back. Now, now, if you've ever been out of City Hall, it's like three different rooms working on. So B-16. B-20-something. Then upstairs. I mean, they got me all over the place with all of this paperwork. So they sent me, so it came from upstairs, downstairs. Then I had to go back upstairs because I had to fill it out again. So by now, God has given me favor with people that work there. So, you know, I'm talking to this woman. I'm like, you know, so she was like, well, what's going on with this building? So I tell her, you know, nobody in this whole place, with the exception of the, the pharmacy, has done any of this paperwork. Nobody. They didn't know nobody else was here but the pharmacy. So now they want me to do paperwork for everybody in this whole place. <laughs> Everybody in the whole place, everybody. So I had to put. So I had to walk around. You know, the pharmacy's here. We're here. Physical therapy. You know, I'm walking around, putting everybody down on this application, right? And I give the thing, the thing in. So God gives me favor with this woman, turns her heart towards me, and she's like, "Look, I'm just gonna sign off on this thing." <laughs> and so she signs off on the thing, right? So I'm thinking, "All right, we good to go." Right. It goes downstairs again. So I go back over there. She's like, well, it's pretty much ready to go. All you got to do is pay for it. Right. So I go down bank. I pay the money and stuff like that. And then she tells me, OK, now you got to get inspections. <laughs> we had to get four inspections on this place. We had a the fire inspection. We had a plumbing inspection, electrical inspection and then uh, and then the um, building inspection. So the building guy comes in, he's looking around. Everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. Because they come down, they look at this place, it's like, is it just for, I think we got all these people on here, all of these different businesses. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to open this place. I'm like, I don't know about none of these other places. I'm just trying to open this place. So the guy comes in, he says, you know what I'm going to do, the building guy? He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to everybody down there, all of those guys, and let them know what the situation is. And he said, then, you know, when they finish doing the inspection, I'll just come back and sign off on it. I said, okay, you know, so I call a plumbing guy comes, plumbing inspector comes, and I'm trying to give you all of this because I, I'm saying all of this because I want you to understand 
if you don't, if you, see, if you give up too quick, you won't get what you're going, what you're getting. You won't get it. You got to keep pressing and you got to keep believing God and you just got to keep doing what you got to do. You have to. So bottom line is he leaves. The plumbing guy comes. The plumbing guy fails us for inspection. Say we ain't got no hot water. So then I call the, the plumber. He comes over. He got to go up in the ceilings and fix the thing, you know. So I said, okay, we're good. The only, I, was, I was only concerned about one inspection, and the one inspection I was concerned about was the easiest, the fire. <laughs> That's the only one I was concerned about. So the guy comes back. He puts his hand on the thing. He says, the water's too hot. <laughs> and he fails us again. <laughs> I'm like, the water's too hot. He said, yeah, there's some kind of, so there's some kind of sensor thing that goes underneath the thing that, that, that it, it, it stops the water from getting over a certain degrees, you know, like a hundred, over 120 degrees, you know. So I had to call a guy back, you know, so he fixes it, you know, call, call a guy to come back again. Then finally he approves us. Then we get the electrical guy comes in. He just looks around. He says, oh, you know, no problem, you know, I'm good there. Then the, the, um, I'm waiting for the... Um, the fire guy came, he came, and, and we had everything we need. He barely looked at anything. He approved us, you know. And then finally, the building guy, right? So I call, now I'm going, giving you this whole process. Now I'm about to close. The building guy comes. He don't even come. I call him, and he says, oh, I, he said, you need an inspection? I said, yeah. I said, do you remember me? I was doing this. He said, oh, yeah, I remember you. I ain't got to come back out there. He said, everybody approved you? I said, yeah. He said, ah, just, I'll, I'll just approve you. Don't worry about it. So he tells me to come down there and just, so I went down there and picked up the paperwork. I got all my approvals in my hand, right? So I talked to the woman that's over there. Now, this woman, if you get on her bad side, you're in trouble. So I'm real nice to her, you know, like real. I'm like, miss, you know, so-and-so, you know, uh, can you help me with this situation, you know? So, well, well, let me look at it. You got all your approvals? Yeah. So she looking, you know, she's like, all right, well, once I approve it here, you know, once they sign off on everything, then it's going to go to the room <laughs> down there next door. So she says, go down there and talk to the woman, you know? So I went down there, I talked to the woman, and I said, well, you know, uh, my paperwork's over there. I got all my approvals, you know. Uh, when can I get, you think I could get my CO? She says, well, it take about 10 business days. That's what she says. Now, I've been waiting. Now, I want you to understand, I started this process mid-September. Here we are in January. Ten days, they told me. In the beginning, ten days. We're in January now. So now, <laughs> I said, okay, well, she says, well, if they get the paperwork to me today, then I'll try to work on it fast, you know. So I'll go back across. I says, Miss uh, so-and-so, can you help me? So she says, what do you need? I said, they, she said if she gets the paperwork today, then she can really. She's like, well, let me tell you this. Once it leaves this office, I have nothing else to do with this. She was like, but I will get it, everything signed for you today. I said, okay. So she got everything signed for me today. Went across. So I talked to the lady. She says, see me next week. I call her back. It ain't done. I call again. Still ain't done. Then I decided to go down there. So she gets the paperwork, one piece of my file is over here, other piece of the file is in the filing cabinet. I mean, you know, so she finally puts it all together, and she says, okay, well, I got everything I need, you know, give me a couple of days. You don't hear from me by Friday, call me Friday. So I said, okay. 
So I call her Friday. They tell me it's, it always issued. Everything is done. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, right? So the woman says, are you the owner? I says, no. She's like, well, you can't come and get it. <laughs> she says, the owner got to get it. I said, I said, the woman told me I could pick it up. Well, no, the only way you can pick it up is if you get, uh, you know, a signed, you know, not just a, a letter, but notarized letter from the owner to pick it up. So I emailed the owner on Friday, this past Friday. I don't hear from him. Monday is Martin Luther King Day. Tuesday, I sent him another email. He said, well, come get it, you know. Come back, come get it, and I'll give it to you, you know. So I went down there that afternoon. They had, bottom line is, they had to redo the letter like four times because it was wrong, you know. Finally, I get the letter. I go down there, and we finally got this. <laughs> I'm telling you, when my wife and I got this thing in our hands, man, we celebrated. And I said, you know what? I'm not getting no cheap dollar store frame. I paid 15 bucks for this frame. <laughs> But the bottom line is, you know, we're, we're official. We open up the community center in the beginning of February with full programming. We already have, um, we already have uh, this organization that's going to come that's going to do health workshops, a six-week health workshop, primarily for seniors. And today, we hired a Zumba instructor. So my wife contacted somebody to set up Zumba. <laughs> Who wants to come and do Zumba? All right, now we got we got a Zoom bench for free. We're not gonna charge you. We'll, we're gonna pay the people. They are gonna come and do Zumba, uh, teach you, you know, do all of that stuff. But it'll be with a twist. It's gonna be Christian Zumba. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna be twerking in here. <laughs> we gonna <laughs> so we gonna <laughs> we gonna get this paper. <laughs> so so my wife is in charge of all that. You can see her. You know, I think that she said that she want Eben to do sign up. You know, did you want that? What you wanted? And she'll do sign up, you know, for if you want to do this. It's going to start in February. The first, so it's going to be once a week, probably every Saturday, you know, going forward, you know. And then we're going to do the health work, the health class. I'm going to do some financial literacy classes. I'm, I'm actually um, working on a, a six-week series for financial literacy that I'll be doing. So we'll have three things going as soon as February hits. Yes, baby? And if, if, if you feel like you can do Zumba, but everybody's signing a release here. <laughs> so if you if you twist the wrong way, ain't nobody suing us in here. So <laughs> everybody. <laughs> so, but but <clears throat> but the bottom line is, we'll have full programming going going starting February, you know, and then we'll have many more things going on because we're we 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 have transcended. We're going to be more than just having church. We're going to be doing all kinds of different. And that's why we have the eight dimensions of wellness up here. And again, my, my, my wife is a counselor, so she really gave me this information. But this encompasses everything that we're going to be doing here as an organization, because we're going to be meeting the needs of everybody. Also today, you know, we had a, um, and I know I got to let you go. I'm so sorry. But today, we're going, we uh, had an inspection for our food pantry. Now, you know our food pantry is a major pantry. We feed over 500 people a month. And uh, we have the Stephen Crane uh, uh, Village, and we also have the senior buildings. And then we support two food pantries. So we had an inspection today. An inspector came. You know, I'm, I'm, 
trying to get everything together, you know. I got, you know, Mother Cookie over there sweeping up and mopping and stuff like that. And we got everything going, you know, and I'm cleaning up and we're trying to get this place right, you know. And um, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, thank God for Elder Eben. She filled out all of the paperwork and stuff like that and got all that stuff together. But um, so anyway, she comes, right? I'm talking about the favor of God now. Now, I'm going to tell you something. See, this stuff don't come without work. The favor of God, man. She walked, the woman, I never met this woman before in my life. So I'm standing outside. She says, Pastor Taylor, yeah. So she's like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm a little late. You know, so then she says to me, everybody at the food bank wanted me to tell you hi. She said, you going to see Pastor Taylor? Make sure you tell him I said hi. You know, I'm, and this is the person supposed to do an inspection, you know. She comes in. She don't barely look at nothing, you know. She just comes, oh, you know, you're good here, blah, blah, blah. These are the two things you got to do, you know. So then she says to me, you know, do you want to expand this? Do you want to do more, you know? I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, the only thing that we really need, we need more meat. I said, we need cheese, we need eggs, we need milk. That's what we really need. And then um, she says, well, uh, we want to, if you want to get involved with some other programs, she's going to give us, she's going to give us um, 50 boxes of, of, well, not the, well, yeah, she's gonna, they're going to give us Pampers. So every month we're going to get Pampers for kids, right? Boxes and boxes of pampers. And then every month we're going to get tampons, you know, 50 boxes they're going to give us every month. So we'll be able to help people that need them, you know. And then we'll have pampers, you know, for, for mothers that need them as well. So that will be for this place and for our food pantry. So uh, they're going to do that, and then they're going to send us somebody that's going to do benefit screening work. So here we got all this stuff happening now. You know, so God is really opening up really tremendous doors here, you know. So if you know people that have needs for that, you know, make sure you let me know. You know, let my wife know, and then we'll make sure that we help meet those needs. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but that's what we're here for, and that's why our mission here is to find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a problem and solve it. That is our, the mission of our ministry and of this community center is to, is to do those things. But again, it, it, you know, you just can't, you just don't, you just don't kind of, you know, it just don't kind of happen. You know, Curtis was with me, you know. Justin was with me when we started the food pantry. We started with a U-Haul van. And we were given, you know what I'm saying, we had 25, and then we had 50 bags of food that we were giving out. Well, that's all we had. We had a truck, that was, and we, we had a heart to give to bless people. Now, now we're supporting other food pantries. We got help by from a food pantry. Now we're supporting two food pantries. You know, so but that's how it happens, you know what I'm saying? But it don't it don't happen just because you want it. It happens because you do your part. And then God does his. So on that I'm gonna close. I just had to share the only reason why I was longer tonight, because I really wanted to testify about this. But from now I promise you, I'm gonna get you out of here by 8:30. <laughs> but we're gonna close right here though. But just lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close right here. No, I got it. Don't remember. Pray for people first, and then I'm going to do that. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we just thank you. We worship you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you, Father, for speaking to us tonight. We thank you for letting us know that, see, things just don't happen. We got to do our part. If you... Tell us to roll away the stone, we must roll it away. Whatever it is that you have instructed us to do, we must do. And then you, you'll cause the resurrection to happen. But we have to do our part. And Father, we just thank you for 
doing only what you can do, for performing miracles in our life. But let us not forget that we have to do what you have told us to do. We have to put the elbow grease to it. We have to do the physical work. We have to believe you. We got to have faith. We got to obey. And once we do what we can do, you'll do what only you can do. And fourth, Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you, Lord. We give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Now, look, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do so, I want to pray for you or you're backslidden and you know you are and you just want to do that. I want to pray for you. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up on your feet. Just go ahead and stand up on your feet right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. Just want to pray for you. If that's you, you can just go ahead and do that right now. I'll give you a moment. This is, you know, tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Get yourself right today. There's no time like the present. Don't wait till tomorrow. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray with this brother right here. And I want everybody to pray. All right? I want everybody to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth, you died for my sins, and you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody. Just give Jesus a praise. Amen, amen, amen. All right. We're going to close here. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to get ready to worship God here with tithes and offering with special giving. You know, the Bible says to honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all of your increase. So shall your barns. They'll be filled with plenty. Your presses, they'll burst out with new wine. Now, see, I'm telling you about doing your part. Do, see, God's not going to pay your tithes for you. But he'll, if you honor God with your tithes and offerings, then he'll do only what he can do, which is give you a harvest on what you've sown. See, only, only he can make a harvest happen. But you do your part. And see, again, it takes faith. It takes obedience, right? You're doing your part. Honoring him, you know. And if you honor God, he'll do no less for you. Now, I've, I've said this before, but I've, I've honored God all my life, you know. Since I've been in my 20s, I've honored God with my tithes and offerings. And as a result, he's blessed me big time. I can't even, I, I, just what he does for me, I just can't even, I just can't even tell it all. You know, I don't want nobody to get, like, jealous or nothing like that and be angry with me or whatever. You know? But God just does so many stuff. Please don't move around too much, just kind of, while I'm doing this. We have to learn how to just honor him. And when he, we do that, he blesses us. So tithes and offerings, they go in this envelope. You're going to write a check. You can write it to the love of Jesus. You can give on your debit card. You can use our giving applications. We have two app. We have GiveLify, and you can talk to Elder Eben. She'll talk to you about that. Also, your offering envelopes are underneath the chairs. If you don't know where they are, they're underneath the chairs. For now, we're getting some things where we can put them on the back of the chairs. But... um. 
And you can also use the Cash App, L-O-J-W-O. You can do that as well. So let's go ahead and let's worship God with tithes and offerings, and we'll get ready to close here. By the way, don't leave right away. I have food in the back. We're heating it up right now, so you can get a little something as soon as we finish here. But let's go ahead and worship God with tithes and offerings. You can go ahead, um, Tasha. Amen, amen, amen. Well, glory to God be the glory. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Well, glory. So, um, again, February, we begin full programming. We're going to keep you guys posted with dates and everything as soon as we get all of the official dates. I am meeting with um, uh, the people that's going to do the health, um, the health workshops this upcoming week. And I'm starting to put together the dates for the financial literacy classes. I'll make sure that you guys know that. Also, 